Doom is regarded as the most influential first-person shooter in gaming history. It garnered mainstream acceptance and popularity back in the early 90s. It was getting banned at offices because it lowered productivity, and it was taking down networks at college campuses. We have an all-star panel of developers from id Software, Machine Games, and Bethesda Family. They look back at the impact of Doom in the industry. Howdy, and welcome to a special Gamer Loop Radio episode. I'm Neutron. I had the opportunity to attend the 24th annual QuakeCon this year in Texas. This year is special because we are celebrating the 25th anniversary of Doom. For those that are unaware, QuakeCon is a gaming convention centered on Bethesda family of games, everything from panels, tournaments, competitive speedruns, and live demos of Doom, Wolfenstein, Fallout, and ESO games. QuakeCon is the biggest LAN party in North America, with thousands gaming at the BYOC. There were several announcements at QuakeCon regarding the Doom franchise that I want to quickly share with you all. The classics, they're coming. They're coming to console and mobile. Doom 1, 2, and 3 are now available to download on PS4, Xbox One, and on the Nintendo Switch. And Doom 1 and 2 are also available on iOS and Android mobile devices. Following the success of Doom 2016 and previously announced at E3 this year, Doom Eternal is being released later this year on November 22nd. To be honest, my library is getting full this fall and winter with amazing games just like this one. Now let's get to the good stuff. It was amazing to get a chance to listen to folks that work in the industry and hear the stories of how Doom impacted their lives and their inspiration to create more amazing games. On stage, we have Jason Levy, Senior Community Manager from Doom Eternal, and Matt Grandstaff, Community Director of Doom Eternal, leading the panel. They were joined by an all-star panel of devs that included Kevin Cloud, Senior Producer at id Software, Hugo Martin, Creative Director at id Software, Jörg Gustafsson, Executive Producer at Machine Games, Todd Vaughn, Senior Vice President of Development at Bethesda Softworks, and Tom Mustaine, Co-Studio Director at Bethesda Game Studios. Tell us sort of what you do right now, what your, what your role is, uh, and kind of the impact that Doom has you know, had on you. Uh, Kevin Cloud, um, my role is a senior producer at id Software right now. Um, Doom's had a huge impact on me because I uh, started with id uh, working on Doom, so uh, massive impact on my life and uh, you know, excited to see it uh, uh, still around and kicking, so fantastic. <laughs> Hugo? Uh, creative director at id Software, and um, well, yeah, it's been, I mean, it made us move to Texas, so it dramatically changed our life, uh, <laughs> which is awesome. We love living here, and, and uh, it's great. It's, it's so fantastic to be a pop, a part of uh, pop culture history, you know, which is cool. That's awesome. Here. Uh, I'm the executive producer at Machine Games, and uh, I mean, for me personally, uh, Quake, of course, has been the, the big inspiration and, and, and something that has, you know, uh, yeah, it's a big part of my career. 
but id software titles in general, uh, in general have always been something that we have uh, you know, looked at and draw inspiration from over the years. So I'm Senior Vice President of Development for Bethesda Softworks, and uh, it's amazing just the relationship with Doom as a fan, just playing the original, you know, uh, original episodes and then having the opportunity to work with this team and, you know, growing the brand from, uh, from kind of where it, where it was with Doom 3 and working with this team specifically on Doom 2016. It's phenomenal. Tom? Yeah, I'm uh, Tom Mustaine. I'm the co-studio director of Bethesda Dallas. And yeah, Doom, Doom awoke something inside me. The first time I turned the corner in E1M1 and saw stairs going up, I was like, I need to make things for this. And that was the beginning of my, my journey to make levels for Doom. And from that, that's why I'm sitting here today. I made nonstop Doom things. Thank you, Kevin. Because <laughs> that basically opened the doors. I Just Turned 30 this year. It still amazes me that someone continues to work on something he or she loves to do and is passionate for almost as long as I've been breathing. Kevin Clyde was part of that original team at id Software working on Doom. He shares with us what this 25-year milestone means to him. Um, I'm old. That's one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, and just... Lucky, lucky to have been there, be a part of it, and and have, be a part of it for such a long time, and just proud to see so much of the original Doom, you know, alive and well in Doom Eternal. It's, it's fantastic to see. And now it's for story time. Twenty-five years is quite a long time, and we probably all have been impacted by Doom somehow. Believe it or not, my first Doom game was actually Doom 2016 on PC. But to be clear, my first id title was Quake 3 in the late 90s. I remember uh, my uncle Rene was booting up the PC and playing through the arena levels against the bots. I never got the true multiplayer experience on that game. But man, was it fun and challenging for 10-year-old me. I also want to share a handful of stories from the panelists that worked on Doom and their first experiences playing the game that I believe you will enjoy as well. They range from battling a dentist a medieval axe, a parrot, and some Doom clones. A lot of stories. You have, you have stories about, uh, you know, didn't a dentist office used to be next to kind of where you guys were and like people were drilling in teeth and... Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's back in the... Uh, so, you know, um, we started off in an apartment yeah. and then we moved to uh, this black cube building, if you guys are familiar with this area. Uh, over on 635 and 30, there's a big black cube building, and that's where it office for a while. Mm -hmm. And up on the sixth floor was Suite 666, which was our Naturally. office. Yep. Naturally. Appropriate. <laughs> and uh, Adrian and I had an office that shared a wall with a dentist. And, uh, and it was very thin, so we could hear when the dentist would drill uh, on oh. people's teeth. And... Uh, so the drill was bad enough, but also, of course, you hear people moaning and making their drill sounds and things like that, which was pretty freaky. Uh, really good Foley work there, maybe. Was that the inspiration for hearing the demons on the other side of the wall? And yeah, it, it may have been. Yeah. It may have been. Uh, you know, we tried to drown it out with some Metallica, but the dentist didn't like that either. So eventually, when they would moan, they would moan back, <laughs> which we thought was fair. That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, I do have to ask one last story about just the, the days at id. There's a famous story about an axe and a door. Can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, yeah. Because I've seen some pictures of it. Yeah, yeah. So it, uh, that was uh, Romero. He was, he was stuck <laughs> in uh, his office. Um, somehow the doorknob um, came off or broke off, and he couldn't find his way out. Um, and none of us are really mechanically inclined, and Carmack had a battle axe lying around. I, I got from like the Renaissance Festival or something like that, this yeah. giant battle axe, and he just yells, stand back. <laughs> uh, to Romero, Romero says, what? He goes, yell, stand back again, and so uh, smashes through the door. Nice. Just hacks it <laughs> That's up. how you do it. Yeah. That's how you do it at software. Wow. Nice. I got, I was uh, lucky enough to visit those offices back in the day, really early on, and it was after Doom when these guys were in the secret area working on Quake, and that the way that things worked there when these guys would play deathmatch or it just everything amped up, everybody screaming and yelling and knocking things over and going crazy. So the battle axe heard that, I'm like, yeah, of course. Of course that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that's how the door, you know, is after a deathmatch or something. But I think it was like middle of the day, right? Like <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but it was it was not surprising after visiting and seeing how people got amped up playing the games. So. That's awesome. So it's the year of doom, York. Um, but you actually got started on a game other than Doom, uh, Quake. Uh, can you talk about how you got into the industry? I think there's maybe a story about a, a PC or a parrot or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it actually took me a very long time before I got a computer. Uh, I just couldn't afford it. And, uh, and I didn't save money either. You know, I, as soon as I got my hand on some money, I just spent it. But my brother, he had uh, Commodores and the Amigas, and uh, sometimes he allowed me into his room to play uh, games on them, on them. but that, those were rare occasions. And then over the years, you know, I played a lot of games. We played the Double Dragon at the Hamburger Bar. Uh, you know, we played Nintendo games and, uh, and Duke Nukem at the local university where we could connect the computers, which was really cool. And of course, Fallout and Doom at my friends' houses. Uh, but it was in 1996, uh, and this is where the parrot comes in, uh, where I, when I, I placed a bet on this local hockey game, uh, and I won. <laughs> so, and I won a lot of money, about four or five hundred dollars. Uh, and of course, I instantly want to spend them. Yeah. And the first thing that popped up in my head was to buy a parrot. <laughs> yeah. Everyone does that. <laughs> And, uh, and then I called my friend, uh, because he had a car, and he could take me to you know, whatever you call the store that sells parrots. And, um, uh, but then he convinced me to buy a computer instead. So we went to this uh, electronic store, and we bought, the, I think it was a Pentium 90, uh, I would think. Um, but we also bought then what would, be, what would become the, uh, one of the greatest passions of my life, and that's Quake. I think we can all agree you made the right decision. Yeah. Thank you. You can always get a parrot later. You don't need one, you know. Just go one next time. Uh, so Todd, do you know where you were kind of in your life when Doom came out, like career-wise? So uh, for part of my career, I was with PC Gamer Magazine, and uh, I came on right after Doom had come out, and it was right around the time Doom 2 was launching. And uh, kind of seeing the, the the impact it's had, you know, hindsight being 2020, you can see all of the things that happened. But in the moment, what you were really seeing was just so many people inspired by what Doom represented. You know, it was a shift of a whole lot of 
trends in the industry to s just fast, fluid, technology-driven, you know, all of the sort of like hallmarks, earmarks of what the Doom represented, speed, the sort of accessibility of, of control and just moving through the environment so fast. Um, and there were a lot of people who were just super inspired by that throughout the industry. And so you had the phenomenon of the Doom clone. It's just, you know, everybody's inspi inspired by Doom trying to, you know, get that lightning in the bottle. And uh, so for those years when I was with, uh, with PC Gamer, just kind of seeing the, the sort of the reverberations, the impact that it had on everything that followed. It set a very high bar. It set a very ambitious goal of, you know, marrying the action and the speed and the fluidity and technology all together. And, you know, then you had the moment of Quake that kind of did the exact same thing, but added, you know, a whole new dimension to it with internet play and, uh, you know, Q-Test and Quake World, growing it well beyond that. And then the accessibility of modding and making that a theme of what you can do with those style of products. It was just, you know, again, looking back on it, it's, it's obvious that was the epicenter. Uh, you know, the release of Doom set a tone for what happened next. Uh, and it changed a lot of things about the industry. It made, uh, I think it gave life to a community around game in a way that you didn't have before. You know, the fact that there's still wads being made today on Doom, the original Doom, is phenomenal. It's a testament to, you know, what Kevin and the team created. It's just amazing. This was only a handful of stories, and honestly, I would love to hear from you all. Did you play the OG Doom? If not, what was your first FPS game? Mine was technically GoldenEye. I know, I know you guys are down for some slaps only or paintball mode. These first experiences are memorable to us gamers. We savor them for years to come. But how often do you go back and critically analyze a video game based on the technology of its time and when you can learn from it and compare it to current gen video games? The panelists get a chance to reflect on the original Doom and discuss how beneficial going back to playing these games has been for designing new iterations like Doom 2016 and now Doom Eternal. When I think about the classic games, yeah. Sort of what goes through my head. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, again, from a work perspective, it, uh, I want to go back and play uh, Doom and uh, Doom 2. It just brings back, you know, some memories of what it was like when I was working on it. I remember the first time that I had a, um, uh, we had just put the uh, uh, fireball onto the imp. You know, the imp fireball isn't that fast, but it sure seemed fast to me the first time I had sure. it coming at me. So we're sitting there playing it, and the fireball comes at me, and I basically dodge in my chair, right, as if the fireball is, like, coming at me in real life. And it just dawned on me uh, how powerful first-person shooters are because, I mean, it's, there's a thing going on in the game that's eliciting a reaction from me in the real world as if it's happening. I don't have to have VR goggles on or anything like that to feel immersed in a game. And it's just a super powerful moment that, uh, you know, I think that's kind of the core of what a first-person shooter can deliver. Hugo, any thoughts? Um, how good it was. The, the first, uh, my first real Doom that I fell in love with was Doom 64. That was, <laughs> yeah. I went, so I went to art school and, and I was a Mac user. So <laughs> we, were, we, were, we, were, we were super, uh, everywhere you went, all the labs had Macs, but my friends in the dorms had PCs. And uh, so you got to play Doom 
and, and it was awesome. But as soon as it came out on, on a console, that was when I was able to, you know, play it, play it. and I love that one. But um, it's, it's a trip because, like, we, again, we look at those games uh, so much uh, when we make for, for Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal. Uh, look at the resource management of those original games, you know, like, yeah, the plasma was awesome and it tore up the cacodemons, but if you overused it, you'd run out of it. So it was like a thinking man's game. You had to like, okay, I'm gonna like save this because this cacodemon comes out here and this door opens and there's all these guys. And uh, we really strive to, that, that's the genesis for the resource management in Doom Eternal, which was just like make every gun count. The, the rocket launcher in the original Doom, I remember like it being awesome and hurting me, you know, like if I didn't use it correctly. Uh, and being super pissed when I missed a shot, because I was like, and, and being super excited when I walked into a room and there was like six missiles on the, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, this is good. Uh, so we really tried to, to create that, recreate that in, um, or let that inspire us, our, our design decisions in Doom Eternal, you know? And that's something they did in 1993, you know, in the 90s, and it, it's, it's just as good today as it was then. Because I think anytime you make the player think about their choices, uh, th that means they're engaged. So it was overall what I remember as a very engaging experience, and we hope that people feel just as engaged in Doom Eternal. Okay. Todd, I know uh, you mentioned people should play it if they haven't played them yet. What, what, what makes Doom 1, 2, and 3 a, a good primer for Doom Eternal? Um, it's just the sensibilities of it. It's, I mean, it's unadulterated adrenaline. It's, yeah. you know, just pumping it straight into your veins and, and going for it. But at the same time, like Doom 1, you know, and sort of like the, well, the standard that it set, whether it was they were aware that they were doing it at the time or it was just a happy accident, is you don't really have to know anything coming into it, but you know exactly what it is as you're doing it. And it's just that purity of, of design and what it, what it represents. Like, first room, don't die. Keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very simple equation. And so I think that that translates throughout all of the games, frankly, and that, you know, it's a lot of that simplicity of design that informs, uh, you know, the deeper aspects of the game. What Doom 2016, you know, started in sort of the reinterpretation of all that magic was, you know, making it that tactical puzzle of the right weapon, the right you know, right decision, right moment in time, you know, moving through the environment, choosing how you're going to get health, choosing when to get the health packs, choosing when to go after that glory kill. Um, and I think, you know, that all of that just sets the, the table for what Eternal offers, which is even, you know, a deeper cool. version of that. Yeah, so for folks, uh, I mean, it's, it's a true generational title now, 25 years, right? So I, I love the fact that it's coming out again on, these, on the new consoles. You know, we've got folks that are, that are growing up right now uh, playing Minecraft and other pixel art games, and pixel, art, pixel art's kind of having a resurgence. Here's Doom, baby. It's like the pixel art dream, yeah. right? Yeah, so, totally. And Doom has a purity to it from a gameplay perspective. The, similar to Todd mentioned, there's a, there's a purity about how simplistic these combinations become. And from a design perspective, we'd make levels. Nothing's more fun than, oh, there's a rocket launcher in the middle of the room, cool. And we go and run over the rocket launcher and, and you know, sadistic designers like myself make a bunch of lost souls come into your face. And you're like, oh, I'm switching to the rocket launcher. And you got things that are gonna kill you immediately. So, you know, it's fun to try and figure out those action puzzles and that purity is there. It, it, it's played its way and influenced everything from a design perspective for years and years. And in 2016 and in Eternal, you've got that same, you know, you kind of have to figure out very quickly in split second 
I'm going to have to handle this scene this way and pull this gun out and do this thing. And that's still there in the classics, but it's, you know, you've got the music and you've got the resource management. It's uh, definitely give it a shot if you haven't yet. It is, it is the grandfather of the shooter, so uh, it, the purity is there. Uh, Hugo, you know, like looking back at Doom 2016, one of the favorite moments for a lot of people was probably finding those Easter eggs from classic levels. Uh, and then Eternal, of course, a lot of people are noticing like the demon designs are kind of going back to that Doom 2 look. Uh, even the plasma has a redesign. So how often do you find yourself just looking at the original games when you're, you know, in development for Constantly, Eternal? I'm, I'm playing through Quake 2 single player campaign and right now. Again, yeah. you know, we played uh, Quake 1. When we started, we played Doom 64 when we started the project. Pretty much every time we start a Doom game, everybody has to spend time playing Doom, you know, the originals. And uh, every time you go back to it, you find something else, like the resource management, you know, evaluating Doom 2016 and saying this game is great and how can we make it better? We could probably make players think a bit more about the choices they make with the weapons they have, like you do in the original Doom. Um, so I think it's important to tap into it because it's good. Like, I wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't use it if it didn't work, you know, so um, some of the Doom 3 stuff is awesome because it is a different style of game and I love that game. I, I, I played the hell out of that when it came out. Um, but the, the slower pace of that game doesn't really obviously work, so you, you're, you're looking for, uh, to try to capture some of the, as he said, the simplicity of the original game in a modern AAA shooter. Um, I think they're just really good. Again, I just can't say it enough. I mean, it, it's uh, from a design nerd perspective, like the simplicity of the silhouettes and how each silhouette uh, stands out to the player, even in tiny little pixel form. You could read from across the room, that's a mancubus, and the guy who hits the pose like this, this is, you know, the, the arch file, and those guys are really scary. And then that sound that that guy makes, that means that there's a, this type of demon around the corner. Um, you're, it's communicating information to the player really, really effectively. So, and so you're able to make decisions like really fast. And that's that's kind of the deep sort of meta of, of Doom that we're we're trying to capture, you know, with our games. Um, and so we look to it because it's good. And 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 we want it to feel like Doom. We continually want it to. I'm a big pop culture nerd, and I you know I'm not too thrilled with the latest Star Wars films, to be honest, and, and uh, <laughs> yeah, because it- Controversial. It, they're, they're, it's not Luke, it's not, they are not looking at the source material, in my opinion, en enough to like, like, who is this guy? Like, Yoda would not say that. Like, and, and the way they act and how flippant they are with the Jedi, you know, eh, the Jedi, you know, like, it's like, dude, it's all about the Jedi, you know, like, and, and, um, so I, 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 we do not want to be responsible for messing up someone's childhood. I mean, these guys are like telling you their life's work is inspired by this game. We're not trying to fuck that up, you know. So. I'll be honest. After hearing these folks talk about their experiences, I've realized I am missing out. I'm missing out on an important piece of gaming history by never playing the first Doom. So I said to hell with it and downloaded the game on my Switch Wow, dude. 25 years later, this game is still awesome. It's nuts. I never knew how fast-paced this game really was, to be honest. I went online to see how long it would take me to beat it on average. Four to five hours. I thought this is easy. That's just a sitting for me. I went super cocky. I selected ultra-violence difficulty and said, you know, 
it's not going to be that hard. And let's just say I was taken down in less than a minute and he won M1. I made the mistake of not looking behind the two pillars and boom, shot in the face. After several attempts, I finally got the hang of it and was comfortable with the pacing of the game. Don't tell anybody. It took me a while to figure out how to open the door. <laughs> I did manage to beat the first episode in the first hour of playing the game and learned the importance of saving my game file. I had no clue that you actually lose all your weapons if you die. Lesson learned. It was really interesting to see the control design in the game. Nowadays, we're accustomed to jumping all over the place, but in Doom, you actually don't have that ability. I did struggle rewiring my brain that there is no jumping here. I was also confused how aiming worked in this game. On the Switch, you can't use the analog to aim up or down, or to a corner. You just place your Doom guy in the direction of the enemy and just shoot your shot. Overall, I am surprised at how comfortable I was playing the game. After I learned the mechanics, after I learned how, how the controls played, I, I can't wait to get back into it and beat the game and hopefully give you my final impressions of the game. To finish things off, I want to share with you uh, final thoughts from the panelists on 25 years of Doom. I better take my opportunity now uh, <laughs> rather than wait for 25 uh, years. Uh, and, uh, you know, just to say it's fantastic, again, to be a part of its software uh, all these years, but also just fantastic to, uh, to be a part of QuakeCon and these great fans. It's just absolutely amazing. I love coming. You guys are fantastic. So I really appreciate it. We can't mess it up. We just got to keep it going. <laughs> so it's good. Pressure's good, you know, and uh, it's an honor. It, it really is. As I said, uh, it, it, it's, it's fascinating to analyze what makes it work and to truly see how smart it was and how amazing the work that these guys did and uh, how it continues to uh, help us make great games today and, and the fans and the community that, that I've, I've grown to, to love here in QuakeCon and in Texas in general. Um, I think you can only make a game like Doom in Texas. And, and, I, and I think that, yeah, I, I think that, I think that is awesome. I, I really do. office, right? That's where all the inspiration <laughs> comes in. Yeah, it's, it, I think that's fantastic. Derek? Uh, I think I would like to take the opportunity to just to say thank you to my biggest hero of, of all the id software guys, Tim Willits, uh, who... Who is probably the single person that have you know inspired me the most throughout the years, and of course now he's leaving id Software for so many years. So I just wanted to say thank you to him. Awesome, awesome. Todd, Tom. So uh, you know, for this 25 years of Doom, I think you know the thing that just sort of resonates with me is that you know Doom, you can have your favorites, but there's not a bad one in the bunch. Uh, and having played Eternal, I got, I got the inside track that I know Eternal is going to be awesome. Uh, probably my personal favorite. So uh, that's just the exciting thing. I know this brand's going to continue. It's going to be something that as long as we hold true to these, I, the, the ideals of the originals, we're going we're gonna to be on the right track. Cool. Uh, yeah, I just 
thank everybody for playing and thank the id guys for making a career for a lot of us here because um, without it we wouldn't have like i thought games were magic things that came out of japan <laughs> like that's how they showed up right like oh there's the, i didn't know i could make games when i started learning how to make levels in doom it's like <gasps> it's possible and uh, without that you know there's there's a whole industry that wouldn't have existed if you guys hadn't suffered through the pain of moaning and, and screaming dentist chair people and, <laughs> and uh, hit so many things. I, it is fascinating how many things you guys did right from mods to the perfect balance of this. this it's, uh, you know, for, and being 25 years, like I said, it's generational. And I, I love seeing people are still making maps today. You can go and check out Doom maps that are mind-blowing today that we just couldn't even imagine back then because there's a community that's still just building these classic Doom maps. It's fascinating. So, yeah, thanks to everybody here that plays and... Again, to you guys for making it possible for us to be sitting here. So yeah, that's where I'd go. It's honestly incredible how far we have gone in gaming in these 25 years. From fast-moving pixels to almost lifelike graphics, it's never a bad time to go back and play some of those classics. We might find or relearn something from, the, from those experiences that can inspire us. I'm excited to play Doom Eternal November to see those throwbacks and Easter eggs from the classic Doom games. And who knows, maybe Doom Eternal will be remembered as a classic in the next 25 years. Only time will tell on that one. We would like to thank you for listening to this episode of Gamerloop Radio. If you would like to reach us out, you can do so by following us on Twitter at Gamerloop Radio or send us an email at GamerloopRadio at gmail.com. You can find additional episodes of Gamerloop Radio on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. Thank you for listening to our podcast.